Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a special episode for you today. We're going to call it the Legends episode because we have two titans of their respective industries on today. We have Dave Sims, friend of the show, play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Mariners, joining me today. I'll be flying solo for this segment, and then I'll be joined by my co-host Mike Carter and legendary baseball writer Steve Gardner of USA Today. Super pumped about this, so let's get going. Let's talk to Dave Sims. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, and how has the season treated you so far? Uh, it's good, man. We're in contention. Good to be here. Thanks for the time. And, uh, you know, we're a little bit of a, a bump in the road right now after mm-hmm. playing spectacular ball. We've lost four straight, seven of nine, but still uh, 18 games to go and uh, an opportunity, you know, to uh, handle our own uh, handle our own fate. We still have uh, seven games with Texas. We've got three with Houston. We've got two more games, uh, you know, tonight, tomorrow with the uh, Angels and the Dodgers come in. we got the A's for three. So, hey. September baseball, man, it's great stuff. It's good to be in a position to be able to, uh, you know, you know, be in contention for a playoff spot. Absolutely, just having meaning, meaningful baseball at this point, uh, yeah, is, is fun. As a Yankee fan, I I can't relate right now, but uh, I'm rooting for you guys. I, I always yeah, well, a, I appreciate it. Spot. Yeah, um, what has stood out to you most about this Mariners team? Uh, their resilience. They don't quit. Uh, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's true. And they had they've had bumps in the road during the course of the season. And then after July 1, they went on an unbelievable run and, you know, had the best record in baseball from uh, like June, uh, July 1 into August. And, uh, you know, a lot of like Julio, and the big thing was Julio came a lot. The pitching had been pretty solid. Um, and then Julio started hitting the ball out of the yard and his numbers, I think, uh, going into last night's game, he was hitting, he went four for five. So, holy crap, yeah, he went four for five. And, and what you're talking about is I paced back through my book. If I look back, is even as early as July. He's hitting 249 in the middle of July. So I mean, he has come a long way. It's been, it's been a blast. He had a home run on a fastball down and away and drove it into the right center field seats. You know, four and change. I mean, the guy, the guy's the real deal. He's he's amazing. So much fun to watch. I mean, he's one of the bright stars that you just uh, you, you can't take. He's like an Ronald Acuna. You, you can't take. Yeah, absolutely. Him. No, he's, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. Um, it's real. I did want to ask you about, uh, I guess, some recent controversy around the team. Uh, it got a lot of play on social media, which were the comments by George Kirby. Um, yeah. Yep. Wondering what what your thoughts are on that, because there's been a lot of back and forth, uh, you know, older pitchers providing their commentary and saying how yep. they disagreed with his stance. So if you could just give us your thoughts on, on that. Well, situation. I was, su- I was surprised like everybody didn't expect it, uh, expect that comment, didn't expect that from him, given his, the, the ferocity of his uh, competitiveness and chug it up. He's what 23, 24, 25 years old, young kid. You know what? He, he's going to learn. I mean, things are different from when I grew up and guys, you know, 90 pitches like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so what uh, it's a different world. Um, I understand where the old timers are coming from. I know people came down hard on them, but you know what? I, I'm going to chalk it up to a mistake by a young guy. Learned from his lesson. Uh, learned learned a lesson just like Kelnick did. You don't try to kick uh, in frustration. You don't kick a Gatorade bucket, break your toe in this seven weeks. So you move forward. It's um, his next start. We look forward to seeing him on his next start. I think he probably, I didn't have a chance to talk to him yet, but uh, I'm sure 
know, he, he's angry with himself. He, he apologized. And uh, I look for him to come out and, and be ready to pitch a hell of a game against the Dodgers. Yeah, no, it seems like there was just some frustration there and probably said something yeah. that, uh, you know, he didn't fully, uh, if he could go back, he he would take that back. But uh, oh, yeah, it was, no, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It was a rough road trip overall between that and just it, it, it's been it, it's been difficult uh, for the Mariners over the past week or so here. And I did want to ask you about this as uh, kind of like a, a, a bigger question. These long road trips. I mean, the Mariners went, I think it was a 10 game road trip without yeah, any days games. off. Yeah, yeah. Um, now they come back home, had to play the next day after flying cross country from Tampa. Yeah. To what extent do you think that's affecting this team right now? This really difficult travel schedule. Well, yeah, it is what it is. We are where we are. You know, we we saw this on the schedule. You knew this could could happen. You got to take consideration. The other teams are trying too. The Mets are trying mm-hmm. to. You know, they don't want to embarrass themselves. You know, they're playing for next year. Playing for pride. Cincinnati's young, spunky, athletic as heck. The Rays are the Rays. They're very good at home. They had uh, during going into that series, they had the best home record in baseball. So I defy anybody to to come out and say, hey, man, 10 games, that series under those circumstances, and, and you're going to go 7-3. to three. Now, we weren't that – the Mariners weren't that far off. It wasn't like they were getting getting boat raced every night. They were competitive in all the games. So, you know what? It's baseball. We've had a hell of a run going into that. Uh, there was an inevitable, you know, you know, a little bit of a dip. You come down the ladder, a, you know, a spot or two. But the thing is you don't collapse. And if you, as long as you don't collapse – and you keep grinding from uh, where we are. I mean, I know it sounds like coach platitudes, but it's the only way. It's the only way to get it done. You don't sit there, woe is me. And these guys are pros, and uh, they keep rocking on. Right. Yeah, I just wonder, as fans and as like baseball analysts, like it, how much way maybe we overlook that when trying to explain a team's dip in performance. Like, I mean, that's a that's a brutal road trip to go on. Yeah. So you don't want to make well, excuses for the team, but I, I right. think sometimes we may overlook that. And as Julio pointed out to me one time early in the year when he was scuffling, he said, this is a hard game. I said, uh, yeah, I know. And you know what? I appreciate that. This is not an easy game. And these are the best in the world. And these things are going to happen. And, and uh, you know, when we have to change time zones like that, I mean, yeah, it's tough. Heck, it's tough on everybody. But, hey, this is what you signed up for. You knew it was going to happen. Hey, you know, suck it up and, and uh, you rock on. That's all you can do. Yeah. yeah. Dave, if you could tell us a, an under, maybe an under the radar player, uh, could be hitter or pitcher, who you think is going to have a significant impact on this team uh, over the next several weeks here. All right. You know what, dude? September baseball pressure and all that. I, I I'm not even going to begin to put somebody's name on that. You look for everybody to step up. I mean, there's some guys that are scuffling right now that would be nice to get them going. But, you know, I, believe me, if I had that ability to predict that kind of stuff, I'd be a very rich man. I'm not even going to mention that. I'm not going to put somebody's name on that. I'm just going to say that, you know, there, like I said, there's a couple of guys like Jared Kelman came, coming back. He came back last night. Hopefully he gets going. He got a base hit last night. But I'm not going to say, why well, here's the single guy we got to have. We need, you know, all hands on deck, man. 18 games yeah. to go and you're still in the race. Yep. Yep. What's been your most memorable call of the season so far? You know, I haven't even been. Yeah, wow, uh, probably almost any of the any home run that, that Julio has hit mm-hmm. last night wasn't too shabby. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. You know, when you're right in the middle of things. You know, with, with 18 games to go, and I'll probably have to go back to my scorebook and, and look at it. That the the the, the dynamic of baseball, and even with announcers, and I know players for them to exist. You win, lose, you flush it, move on, you got another day. 
So you don't sit there and, you know, and, and stew in it and stir it up and, and make yourself crazy. You can't do it because you'd never survive. It, it, you can't do it that way. And, and believe me, having been at your end uh, and, and covering other sports and doing talk radio for a lot of years, I knew that, but I've, I've lived it hard here, you know, the last 16 and a half, 17 years. Yeah, that, that's, that's what it is, man. Well, man, I'm looking forward to uh, some more epic calls. I mean, your call, uh, as I told you last time, like that Cal Raleigh call from last year. I, I listened to that over and over. I'm like, that gives me chills. And I'm not even a Mariners <laughs> fan. So yeah, that was no, awesome. I appreciate that. I appreciate but, that. Um, I heard that from a lot of players and managers and coaches. And uh, they said the same thing, which is very yeah. flattering. And, and and I really appreciate it. And believe me, that, that was all from the heart, man. All from the heart. Right, and, that, and that's what made it what it was. Uh, yeah. You could tell there was just a lot of yeah. emotion there. But uh, yeah. I'm going to let you go. I know you have got a lot going on. Best of luck the rest of the way. Hoping the Mariners have a strong finish and uh, that we get to hear some more great calls from you. So thank you appreciate again, it, Dave. Man. All right. You bet. Take all care, right. Chris. Be well. Take care. All right. All you right. too. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the all time. Right. We are, are going to take a quick break and we will be back uh, with Steve Gardner of USA Today. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. I'm your host for this second segment with Mike Carter. I'm back, as always, with my splendiferous co-host, Chris Torres. I have to always put in a vocabulary word, Chris, to let everybody know something new about you. Um, glad to see that you're doing well. Wanted to give you a shout-out for the stuff that you're doing uh, on your other podcast during the day. Like, great stuff, man. Like, really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you, man. But, with us tonight, this is like, for me, this is like uh, the SNL moment of Chris Farley interviewing Paul McCartney. This is this is what it feels like for me. Uh, this is a man that I have been following for years, that I have been reading for years uh, in, in the sports weekly that comes to my mailbox on a weekly basis. As a matter of fact, I have to let both of you know that my daughter reminded me again today when I told her that we were recording and I told her who we we're recording with. Steve Gardner is the only name that my kids recognize uh, in the house for uh, fantasy baseball. They don't care about Torres. They don't care about me. They don't care about what we do. But when they heard that Steve was coming on, my daughter said, and I wrote it down, this is the another reminder that you are a niche internet micro celebrity. I think it sounds great. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with that. I, I don't know what it means exactly, but she seemed to think that it, she knew what it meant. But with us tonight, everybody, is Steve Gardner, who is one of the industry giants in fantasy baseball writing. Steve writes and is senior fantasy editor at USA Today Sports. As I said, I've been reading him for many years. He's not even that much older than me, but he's, I've been reading him a really long time. And uh, he's with us tonight. Steve? Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great after that intro, Mike. Thank you very much. You're uh, you, you certainly know how to make a guest feel welcome. I have to say. Well, it's a big it's a big thing for us to be able to have you on, and um, I'm so thrilled that you were able to make some time to be with us tonight, um, Steve. A few questions just to kind of familiarize our listeners with kind of your history of of playing fantasy baseball and being involved in it. Can you tell us how you first got into fantasy baseball? And how you got your start in the industry? Well, um, I've been working at USA Today for a, a very long time. Um, uh, 1993 is when I started with the parent company, Gannett, and doing some broadcast stuff. And uh, sort of that's when the internet took off at USA Today. And um, I, I started there in the news department, moved over to sports because that's my first love. And um, 
basically have just kind of taken it and and run with it. I was online baseball editor for a while, and uh, my predecessor uh, in Sports Weekly, then Baseball Weekly, was was the legendary John Hunt. And, oh yeah. Um, he was le- he was leaving the company. And they basically said, oh, well, we've got a fantasy column that's pretty popular in Sports Weekly. Um, You write about baseball. Can you write a fantasy column? And I'm like, well, sure. I'm not going to turn that down. I mean, I played in in office leagues. Um, We had a a fun, uh, a couple of fun office leagues sprout up. But um, I didn't really know a whole heck of a lot about the game itself other than it was fun to play. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, gee. I'm following in the footsteps of John Hunt. I better learn everything I know about this, or you know, everything I can about this game. And that's kind of how I got my start. That's great. I mean, I, I didn't think it had been that long. I, I would have, I would have said later, like later nineties or early two thousand. So, wow, that's a, that really is a long time to be, to be going at it. Uh, you've done a great job with it. Your column is a must read every week. Thank you. Thank you. I, I took over in 2006 for John Hunt. So I've uh, been doing all sorts of that online stuff for a while. And uh, as you guys know, you have to have so many different skills to be able to fill a void wherever it pops up. And that fantasy baseball was that for me. That's a great story. Well, Steve, I mean, you've you've seen a lot. You, I'm sure you've seen uh, the the game evolve over the years. Um, I'd like to know how you how you've evolved in terms of your process. Like, what does your player evaluation process look like, and and how has it changed over the years? Well, I'll tell you, it it hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot in what I do. Um, and basically, what it comes down to for me from from the time I started, you know, you've got to put together rankings, you know, that sort of thing. Basically, I look at the positions themselves and order the players within the positions and then how that relates to the rest of the fantasy world, um, you know, and how the players uh, are valued within the positions. Um, that is, is is a lot of a kind of a feel thing for me. Um, I have to say I don't do projections, so I rely very heavily on the people who do that are very, very good about that. Baseball HQ, I kind of grew up with um, and in my fantasy life and just knowing how what they do, what the process is and uh, and how they get their numbers. I'm all in with what they do and it's it's fantastic. And if I need projections, if I want to, to double check some of the rankings or, or, or uh, make sure that I'm in line with what I should be, uh, baseball HQ is my go-to source, so I look at them. Um, I can I can look at Steamer, I can look at Fangraphs, and and uh, others. But um, that's that's really the way that I do it, and it's it's more of a feel kind of thing. Um, one of one of my uh, my early and longest and dearest friends in the fantasy industry was Lar Michaels, the late Lar Michaels, and you know he was the mm-hmm. fantasy Zen master, and he and I would have you know, many, many talks at, uh, at first pitch Arizona and at labor drafts and things like that. And, um, it was just, it was amazing. I, I tried to get in his brain a little bit and see how he was able to make that work when you couldn't really tell what his process either process was either. And, uh, I found that pretty fascinating. It, it works for me, guys. Um, it's, it's not as complicated as, as I'm sure a lot of people's projections, models, standings, gain points, and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, but I, I, I like to I play by feel a little bit, maybe more so than than your average fantasy analyst. And um, so far, it's 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 what I can do well, and so I just go ahead and, and roll with it. Oh, that's awesome! How many teams are you uh, fielding this year, Steve? And uh, how are you doing in those leagues? Well, I've got I've got fifteen different teams, wow. and that spans you know uh, nine roto, two head to head, two sim leagues, a dynasty league, and a points league. So uh, it's and I feel like you know when I'm trying to write and trying to relate to other people and give people actionable fantasy advice, I kind of need to know the ins and outs of each of the different kinds of formats. So that's, it's a lot to keep up with for sure, but I feel like, you know, that's, that's part of my job. And because I'm able to do this on, well, not necessarily a full-time basis because I'm doing other things at USA today besides fantasy baseball, but for, for a good while, that was, that was all I was doing. And, um, and so I felt like I needed to be, to be uh, relating to everybody and all the different kinds of fantasy uh, types of formats. Um, I'm doing okay. Not, not tremendous in labor this year, um, but I still am in contention for at least four titles this year. One of them in the XFL, the, uh, the Dynasty Keeper League that um, we'll be talking about and drafting actually at First Pitch Arizona um, in, uh, in November. Um, also my head to head home league, my oldest league. Um, I'm still, uh, in contention. That's a head to head league and I'm in the finals. So, uh, if Shohei Otani can just contribute a little bit, um, may have an even better shot and, uh, and the simulation leagues, I- I'll tell you guys, I-, I don't know if you play any of those, but, um, I-, I play a couple in dynasty league baseball, the simulation and, those are tremendous. You're playing games head to head against your opponents, uh, pitch by pitch, uh, or batter by batter, and you're making decisions, pitching changes, pinch hits, uh, you know, strategies, and stuff like that. Um, that's a ton of fun. So uh, love love all formats, and and uh, and hope I can pull a couple championships out this year. That's great. That's so interesting. Like. I mean, you're you're covering all of the different formats here, and it makes sense because, like you said, you're writing about it, so you want to have an understanding of of each of these different formats. The simulation league, like, can you just because that kind of like I don't even understand what's going on there. What is uh, if you could just give us kind of a summary sure. of, of how that plays out? Sure, uh, I guess the most the most famous or most well known is Stratomatic, where you uh-huh. have you know the oh, player yeah. cards that are based on the stats from the previous year and we have, you know, we have a draft and we have uh, player contracts, um, an auction draft, in fact, and you've got player contracts and you can keep them for three, four years. And so you build your team based on, you know, what they did last year. And sometimes it plays out to where they approximate what they did the previous year. Uh, it should statistically, but not for every player, you know, that's, that's impossible. So you get some anomalies and you have to deal with things like injuries and and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, you just, you have your roster and, and you play the computer does the, uh, you know, does the dice rolling, um, which uh, in the online version, which, uh, which is, uh, is great. And you can play a game in a half hour, 45 minutes. And uh, we play, a full season, I think, um, around a hundred games or so is our regular season. Okay. So uh, it's it's tremendous. I love you know the lefty righty matchups and everything, and you know the three batter rule comes in now, so we got to change the rules a little bit there. Um, it's 
it's it's wonderful. It's, it's it's the closest thing to being a manager. And I will say one other thing too. So much for the uh, small thumbnail sketch. I will say <laughs> playing that game um, has made me a better baseball analyst because you know I can remember watching you know Ron Washington when he was managing the Rangers in the World Series and like wait a minute what is he doing there? What he's making a you know he's making a mistake. He's not looking ahead two batters to what Tony Larusa is going to do in the World Series. That sort of thing. So it it makes me in tune with a lot more of what the managers are doing and how they're trying to think several steps ahead because you have to do the same thing in the sim league. Oh, that's that's fascinating, Mike. We got to get in one of. The, are are oh, you in any of those leagues? No, I was just thinking as as Steve was talking about it. I said I got to get into a league like this with Chris and just destroy him. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> because you know what I will do. I will stay up all night. I don't care. I don't need sleep. I will just eat it, and I will just because you just want to bring in Clay Holmes, no matter what the situation. That's is. That's right, so. baby. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, there's uh, there's been a, a lot of discussion around uh, the NL Cy Young recently. You know, people are saying it's Strider or it's Steele or it's Gallon. Um, you know, so I'm interested, given that you are part of the Baseball Writers Association. Um, you know, I was wondering if you'd be willing to share any insight into your thought process behind who you think is most deserving of the award this year. Yeah, it's it is very wide open, unlike uh, you know some of the other races. But I, I'll tell you what I look at, um, and although pitching war is is something that is, is certainly not uh, a super accurate measure of of value, but I do look at that, and it it sort of helps me kind of get the contenders there. And as you mentioned, Gallon, Steele, and, and Blake Snell, who leads Snell, the majors in in WAR for pitchers. Um, those guys, I think, are the top candidates. And I'll tell you, I, I one thing I do do is look at innings pitched. Um, I, I want guys who are out there um, all the time, uh, you know, as and will give you innings because that's important to the rest of the team. You know, if you're not taxing the bullpen, so you don't have to necessarily be as efficient, but to take those the, the bulk of those innings. Um, that helps the team that that is a better pitcher than a guy who only goes, you know, five and a third every night. Um, so seven innings, five and a third. I, I weight that. So in terms of, of innings, pitch, Zach Gallon's close to 200 innings. We'll pass that. We're not seeing those 200 inning pitchers anymore mm-hmm. uh, in baseball, To certainly not to the degree we saw just a few years ago. So and I think that's part of Sandy Alcantara last year winning the Cy Young. All those innings, and and Gallon is the guy that uh, you know is, um, is is that's one of his main checkpoints. Um, strikeouts too, to show how dominant you are. He's going to get close to two, or is almost ready to uh, to pass the two hundred strikeout mark. Um, and the other thing too, a lot of people looking at at um, you know some of the advanced metrics, they're good to look at for. Um, for fantasy purposes, but if you're talking about a real life award, I don't care what the guy's FIP is. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know what did happen, not what should have happened. And Blake Snell, when you look at, I mean, he's he's walking a ton of guys. Really, um, I think he leads, if not the national, you know, if not the majors, leads the national league in walks. And but yet he's stranding those runners. On base, you know, his his ERA is at 2.5, somewhere in that range, and he's getting the job done. And um, so you check all the boxes. 
I think Blake Snell is the front runner right now. And, and I, I love Zach Gallon more innings, but, um, and, and Justin Steele is, is fantastic, but, um, only at 150, 960 innings at this point. So those are my three top ones. And, and right now I'm leaning toward Blake Snell. That's interesting for sure. Um, Steve, you recently wrote about Shohei Otani, who we were just talking about a few minutes ago, and how you're still high on his fantasy prospects for next year, even if he's only a hitter. Um, how high would you consider taking him, given that it looks like he might not pitch at all next year and just be valued as a hitter? Well, if if you have to make a choice each week in your lineup between Otani the hitter, Otani the pitcher, most of the time, if not all the time, you're going to have him as a hitter. And so the he is you know, certainly one of the top hitters, uh, assuming that he can finish out the season. He'll end up as one of the top hitters in all of baseball. Um, the home runs, you know, three consecutive seasons of 40-plus home runs. Um, just the production that he gives you, um, It uh, it's just, oh, wait a minute, yeah. He had 34 last year. That's right. Um, but mm-hmm. but still, in that 40, 40 home run range, um, it, it's just, uh, I think, that kind of, of power that you can count on um, is, is huge. I'd say still back of the first round, maybe, if not middle of the first round. I mean, mm-hmm. power is huge. And he steals some bases, too. You know, mm-hmm. 20 steals this year, um, 26 a couple years ago. And if he's not pitching then you know maybe he's maybe he's uh he's running a little more maybe he's doing a little bit more with the bat Mm -hmm. all right well getting back to you uh before we get into our next segment i did want to just hear from you what is your personal accomplishment in this industry that you're most proud of well um i i guess just just longevity for one perhaps you know still trying I, I worry sometimes, uh, you know, I, I want to be sure that I'm still relevant, that what I write is relevant. I don't get to write as much um, because I'm doing a lot of other things at USA Today. So I want to feel like um, I'm still coming up with things that that make people want to read and that make people say, oh, that's interesting. I can use that information to help me in my leagues. Um, and being able to do that for for all these years now and continue to write columns, you know, um, uh, all, I, I went back and totaled them up actually. And I think I'm at somewhere around 500 sports weekly columns since I started. Wow. You start thinking about that, you know, every week for, you know, from basically end of February through October. Um, I was, I was writing every week for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it slowed down a little bit, like I said, but um, longevity, I think, b- remaining relevant if, uh, you know, a, 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 if people feel that way um, and being, you know, part of the industry, I love that. And then a couple years ago, when I did get the nod to the, um, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association Hall of Fame, uh, I think that's mm-hmm. what everybody um, would consider uh, the, the ultimate honor in this industry and uh i was i was extremely honored to to be able to receive that yeah it was totally deserved i mean um you've you've put in your time you've entertained people you've also given people a lot of opportunity to think and i think that that's a really important piece of the work that you do as well you know during the pandemic 
um, your articles and things like that were keeping a lot of people afloat, me included, you know, uh, really relying on those to be thinking and trying to stay sharp while there was nothing going on, you know? And so I've always admired you for that. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why I, I got into writing and tried it was because I was really inspired by you. I was like, I, Steve's a really good writer. And I, I like what he said about that. But if I were to write that, how would I think about it? You know? So it was very inspirational to me. You have been an inspiration to me and I just want to make sure that I pointed that out. So um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the reward. I mean, the, the accolades are nice, but hearing things like that, Mike, I mean, that's, that's what really gets me and what, what really makes me happy um, about what I've, what I've done in the industry. So thank you. Well, for sure. Absolutely. And, and thank you for everything that you've done and the things that you've shared with all of us. Steve, we like to do a segment when we do our show on a weekly basis uh, called Looking Back, and we talk about a fantasy-related takeaway uh, from the past week or things that are going on. And I was wondering if you would maybe give us one takeaway that you've had over the course of the last week. It could be any of a wide variety of things. And I'll turn it over to Chris after you're done with that. Uh, let's see over the past week. Um, I'll tell you what, it, this is kind of, a, I, I think maybe a theme for the entire season. If, if I can bend the rules a little bit, of course. Um, we're seeing, we're seeing more again, more call-ups, that um, you know, over the past week, um, over the past month, this whole season, it just seems like there is an endless supply of top minor league prospects coming to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And while you know, it was it was fun at the beginning uh, of the year to jump on you know some of the early guys. Um, we still have seen you know the the Ryan Pepios. You know, it, it just seems like throughout the year. There's always another. There's always another young guy. Um, and unfortunately, Jason Dominguez was was with us for too short of a period of time before his season-ending injury. But you know, when he's coming up and he's making noise and he's he's actually producing, um, that's fun to see. And uh, for you know whatever whatever your league does in terms of free agents and and the guys coming up, whether it's Fab or or whatever. Um, this steady stream of those young prospects coming up and a lot of them doing well um, is, is an interesting takeaway for me this season um, that I think should carry on over into next year. I think you're absolutely right about that. Chris, did you hear about the Jason Dominguez injury? I wasn't sure if you knew about it. No, what, what happened? He's, he's doing well, right? Yeah, he was doing pretty well. And he's got an un, an un, Eloy Jimenez injury, you know, yeah. he actually, he actually did hurt himself. It's such a shame. It was, so, it was so great to see him uh, in the Arizona fall league. And then to see him come up and just really kind of grab it by storm. He was just having so much fun. So we, he'll be back, dude. You'll be okay. And the Yankees are still going to be better than the white Sox next year anyway. So you're going to be okay with that. Chris, yeah. I know you were just waiting to take a day. Cause Steve at last <laughs> week, I was, I was a little bit, let's just say I was gloating because the Yankees were on a little bit of a streak. The Mingas looked great. It seemed like, you know, I know I was delusional at the time, but I actually thought maybe they could make a run at the wild card. And, uh, you know, Mike was, uh, let's just say he wanted to kick me while I was down since this past week <laughs> well, is not, I just, not gone I, so well. You know, I just I, I think that when you're part of the most obnoxious fan base on the planet, every once in a while you have to be dialed down a notch. That's yeah, all, buddy. I, I get it. I get it. You know, I love you, I know. <laughs> Chris. Right what was your what was your uh, what was your fantasy related takeaway this week? So 
my takeaway, it makes me this past week has made me think a lot about our friend Nathan Grimm, who came on the show uh, about a a month or two ago. Um, And he talked about how players over the course of the season generally will play, will get to their level. Right. And, you know, my thing has been like I've talked plenty about Trey Turner this year and how I've just lamented that that pick taking him with the first overall um and uh you know it, it was rough for several months and now you see this streak that he's been on over the past month or so you look at his numbers now and maybe it's not quite what you wanted at with the first pick overall but it's pretty damn close to what you you were expecting from him so it, you know i just kept being reminded of that and i was trying to tell myself that the whole time i'm like all right it's you know he's going to play to the numbers on the back of his baseball card eventually right like it's he's going to get there and lo and behold, he did. So um, I, I think that's just something, again, to remind myself next year. And it's a long season, man. Like, I, I just forget sometimes, like, you know, uh, how long I'm, I'm stressing about my guys going, like, I don't know, five for 40 in a random April game. It's like, that doesn't matter. Like, it, the season is so long. There's so much that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, those have been the two things, just the idea that the season is long and, uh, you know, players usually are going to get to their level that you're, you're kind of expecting from them. That's interesting because I was thinking about this question and when I was writing this down and what I learned this year is something that really good players learned many, many years ago. And it's finally taken me, it's only taken me what, 30 years to learn it, but, um, I really found this year that I drafted a lot of unsexy veterans, I would say. Um, guys like Dansby Swanson, um, who I didn't really want. You know, I, I wanted something, I wanted somebody better. I wanted somebody bigger than that. And I have him and he's got 20 home runs and he's hitting about 260 and stole seven bases in a points league. He's really valuable because he gets points every day. Chris Bassett the same way. So I'm in, in my home league, uh, which I've been in for about 20 years now. Uh, I'm I'm well positioned to uh, I'm on a buy this week but I'm well positioned to be able to win as long as my pitching holds out but the thing that I really learned from that is that while everybody else was spending up it's an auction draft while everybody else was spending up and trying to get the next Julio Rodriguez I was content to stay back and spend eight hours on Swanson and six hours on Bassett and got like Randy or Rosarena for 12 hours and everybody ran out of money and those are the guys that are winning me the league it's not the the sexy picks although in, in my defense, my three keepers, we only get to keep three. I kept Austin Riley, uh, Julio Rodriguez, duh, and mm-hmm. Corbin Corbin Carroll. That worked out pretty good. So um, Those are but, very sexy. <laughs> that was yeah. very – yes. Corbin Carroll is very, very sexy, as is Julio, right? So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that was what I learned, and I was kind of reflecting back on it this week and kind of comparing, you know, like this league went really well. This one didn't go as well. What's the difference? Well – for a lot of those, and we we won't waste Steve's time with my tales of fab woe, but um, I have, uh, you know, I've, I'm learning as I go along with that, but it's a real struggle for me. So that was my takeaway. Um, okay, so moving on, guys, I'm going to ask you to look ahead and identify a hitter and a pitcher in, in the coming weeks that you think could really help. You know, we only have three weeks left, right? So somebody that you're targeting in some of your leagues or, or people that you might be recommending to our listeners. Well, I can go first. Um, the the hitter that I like and a guy that has kind of carried a couple of my teams, um, DJ Stewart is having a heck of a month. 
um, uh, in in New York. I mean, you look at the last thirty days, which is a nice broad spectrum. I mean, he's up there. He's fifth among qualified hitters in weighted on base average. Um, he's got ten homers in that span, hitting over well over three hundred. Um, it's it's a guy that's certainly not sexy um, and could I doubt he's still on on waivers in in a whole bunch of leagues but still if you were able to get him um if you want to play him in daily fantasy uh here's a guy that has been hot for an extended period of time and he's not coming out of the lineup and you know hardly anybody's paying a whole lot of attention to him especially with the uh the struggles that the Mets are having yeah Chris didn't you pick him up a couple of weeks ago you had you you picked him up somewhere didn't you didn't you talk about that I did. Yeah. I mean, he's been, so my main event team has jumped like 150 spots uh, within the past few weeks here. And a big reason for that was DJ Stewart and the Trey Turner hot streak. So uh, yeah, love DJ Stewart. I mean, he's just, uh, he's not playing every day. So, you know, you you have to see if uh, how many lefties he's getting in a given week. But um, Mm -hmm. I mean, against right-handers, he's just been, he's been dynamite. Uh, so definitely if he's out there in any leagues at this point, he's got to be picked up. Uh, he's, he's definitely worth that ad. Uh, for me, I'm looking at a Colorado Rocky and this is someone that I've been hoping that the Rockies would actually give an opportunity to for a while. And that is, uh, Montero. And it looks like the Rockies are finally, we know how they treat their young players. They just like jerk them around with their playing time. And, uh, but finally it seems like they're, they're giving him an everyday chance here over the past few weeks. He's playing pretty much every day, uh, hit a home run today. And the underlying skills lately have looked really good. Um, he's around a 60% hard hit rate over the past two weeks. He does have a lot of swing and miss to his game. So, I mean, if you're if average is really important to you at this point in the season, then I'm not necessarily recommending him. But if you need some cheap power, someone who is probably available in your league, I think Elahiris Montero is worth a pickup. He's hitting uh, in the middle of that order. They've got a bunch of games coming up at home. So I think he's someone um, that'll definitely help people in the power department. And one other guy um, that has been just hot lately and someone I, I didn't expect to kind of reemerge here is uh, Robbie Grossman. And uh, Steve, I actually just want to read for you a, a line from an article that I, I once wrote about Robbie Grossman. This was my lead in like right. a booger hanging from your nose. Robbie Grossman's fantasy profile does not look very appealing at first glance. Now, I want to know. Am I USA Today material? <laughs> Is that a good lead-in for USA Today? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I can't say that I've used booger in any of my columns. <laughs> no. Okay. So you're 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 maybe entering some new territory, and uh-huh. uh, I I I think uh, you throw it to the editor. That's what I always say. Just throw it out to yeah. the editor and see what, what happens. happens. Yeah, Chris, maybe you should try the local paper in Parsippany or something. You know, that might be that would probably that might be, yeah, that be might a better, better place for you to start <laughs> with the writing. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think I need to become a little bit more professional before I, you know, get to the uh, but it's upper a echelon, good description. But... It's a very good description of what it, it, uh, I, I what Robbie like Grossman is. So. Yeah, I mean everything. It's like the profile is kind of ugh. The name is gross. You know, it's, it's like, like gross, man. Yeah, it's gross, man. Exactly. So, yeah, I felt like it was just appropriate. But anyway, 
Um, Robbie Grossman has actually been kind of on a heater here, and we don't know what's going to happen when uh, Adelise Garcia comes back from injury. I actually haven't heard like when uh, what that timetable is, but he pretty much is the replacement for Garcia and is getting everyday playing time. Uh, hit another home run today after hitting one yesterday. Um, I think he's he's worth a pickup. And you know me, Mike. I don't look at just like, oh, the guy has like a, a lot of RBIs in the past week. Like I'm looking at the skills and the skills indicate that, um, you know, everything he's doing is legit. I actually recommended him on our DFS show uh, that you were watching yesterday because he had like a 60% hard hit rate over the past couple of weeks. And I'm like, Robbie Grossman, like that's not someone right. you would as- associate with really good quality of contact. So to me, that indicates that he's locked in. And, you know, since then he's, he's hit two home runs. I don't think it's going to continue at that pace, but hitting in the middle of a good Texas lineup, I think he's definitely worth a look. I mean, he's probably like 0% rostered in like 12 team leagues. So, mm-hmm. Hey, if you're desperate, he could be worth a look there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. How, any any pitchers that you guys are interested in? I'll tell you what, uh, it's been wonderful to see if you've if you've gotten on the train for Cole Reagans, for Freddie Peralta and Tariq Skubal um, the last few weeks. It's been fun. I'll tell you another guy, too, that may not be having that much success, but is still pitching pretty darn well. You say Kikuchi. Um, the ERA is up close to four, but his FIP is 250, and he's striking out 12 batters per nine over the past month. Um, he he can be very, very good. He can blow up uh, on occasion, too. But you know, Toronto, one of the shocking developments of this entire season is that Toronto has turned into a pitcher's park, even when they're moving the fences in, did not see that coming. And, uh, and as a result... You know, the, the Blue Jays pitchers have done a lot better than uh, than I thought as a group they would be. And Kikuchi is is one of those guys that tends to fly under the radar. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, I stuck him in on, under the waiver wire in my home league as well, just because I was seeing that. I knew that nobody would probably be very active in looking at him. So I'm hopeful. And with my luck, you know, it'll end up being a blow up. So um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Chris, how about you? Anybody that you're interested in here for the last couple of weeks? Man, I was looking and, and I was going deep, man. I was looking at like Jose Buto and I'm like, ah, do I want to recommend oh him for this segment? Yeah, it's like I, I was just looking at the pitchers available right now and it's ugly, man. Like I, I don't see anybody who's got like a great schedule or that the skills look really good lately. Um, uh, Kind of like semi plug for my boy, Michael King. I will say that since the Yankees have moved him into the rotation, He's looked really good, um, and, and the skills back that up. I mean, over the past month here, um, in his four starts, he has a 3.02 Sierra, uh, 32% strikeout rate. So that looks really good. He doesn't have great matchups coming up, but uh, if you're desperate, I think he's I think he's a 15-team league play at this point for sure. Uh, not sure if I'm, I'm going there in a 12-teamer, but something to keep an eye on for next year, too, with Michael King. I mean, if the Yankees really do intend on using him as a starter, he could be somebody who's interesting uh, next season and probably not going to cost you much in drafts. So that's really the only guy I'm looking at. But I am interested in hearing, Steve, where you think Cole Reagans is going to end up next year in drafts and, and how interested are you? Uh, going to be next season. Yeah, I, I think one of the things 
I was really interested in Brady Singer coming into this year. And <laughs> I have a feeling that it will be somewhere in that that range. Um, you know, maybe four top 40 starting pitcher, 45, something like that. Um, and I hope I'm not let down. <laughs> but here's the one thing. He he doesn't have a lot of that Kansas City Cal Eldred baggage of coming up through the system and whatever was gone has gone wrong with all those Royals pitchers, you know, coming over and just getting into the Royals system, you know, this year, um, that may be a plus for him. So maybe he, he may avoid, you know, what happened to Brady Singer this year uh, in 2024. I did not think that I would hear the term Cal Eldred baggage today when I <laughs> awoke. So, uh, yeah, but that's so true. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely on point with talking about Kansas City. Now, those are helpful tips, guys. Thanks for sharing those with everybody that's listening. I wanted to talk real quickly about two bullpens that are uh, somewhat interesting this week. Uh, one is with Boston. Kenley Jansen just went to the COVID-19 uh, list this uh, this afternoon, and so that opens up some opportunity in Boston if you're desperate for saves. I would think that uh, Chris Martin would be your top choice there. Um, you can bump Josh Winkowski up a spot too if you're looking for holds in situations like that. You guys know I write about these every week uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, it's a labor of love, <laughs> sometimes of desperation. So um, we're looking at looking at that uh, Red Sox bullpen. I, I would definitely. Um, bump Martin up into that top spot. Garrett Whitlock is there in a middle relief role, but he's not really uh, pitched all that great or that often. So I would be looking at Chris Martin there. If you're desperate for saves, it might be a guy that could get you a couple in this coming week. And the other one that's interesting is on the North side of Chicago here uh, where the Cubs are uh, having lost uh, Adbert Alzale this past weekend. Uh, they did in the last couple of days on Sunday, Julian Merriweather got the save. On Monday, Michael Fulmer got the save, and today uh, the Cubs lost. Yesterday and today they lost. Uh, so I think at this point, you know, roster resources listing it as a committee. I think Merriweather is probably the best bet of those three to get uh, save chances as long as Alzale is out. I've not heard yet anything about how long he's expected to be out. The other kind of wild card in all of this is that Brandon Hughes is on a rehab assignment and Brandon Hughes could uh, be thrown back into the ring here pretty quickly. What's ironic was that at the beginning of the season, it was said that he was out for the year. And with the Cubs um, really kind of inching towards a playoff spot and looking like they're going to hang on in there at this point anyway, uh, Hughes could be a really effective weapon coming out of the bullpen for them. So those would be the two that I would uh, would look at. I'm not talking about the White Sox anymore this year. I'm not talking about anything that has to do with um, the White Sox, the organization, the players, the pitchers. I don't care. When you lose on a walk-off block, I'm out. I'm out. So those are my two bullpen guys. So um, the, the last thing that we really like to do on the show, Steve, is, and, you know, we're we're two guys that work as mental health professionals. Uh, I'm a special ed teacher and administrator by trade for the last 30 years. And Chris is a, a therapist um, who does incredible things for his clients and really helping them out. So we really like to end the show 
by talking about our mental health minute. And we always ask our guest, you know, what's something that you're doing over the course of the last week or two to really kind of, you know, hone in on your mental health, especially as men, we don't talk about it very often. Um, there's almost like a code of silence a lot of times when it comes to guys talking about that. So we really kind of want to try to end the stigma of that. So Steve, I'll put it to you first. What's something that you're doing over the course of the last couple of weeks to re- to make sure that you're taking good care of yourself? Well, I'll tell you, Mike, um, uh, I've, I'm making it a point um, to to have a weekly chat with my kids. Um, we've had we've had some uh, major uh, family loss in the past three months, and um, those of us uh, we we've gotten kind of strength from being with each other, mm-hmm. and um, that's that is huge. And um, you know, keep those keep those family members close. Um, you may have your little disputes and, and you may have your fights or whatever, but those are the folks that are going to be there when, when things happen and you need somebody. And, uh, I'm just very thankful that I've, that I've had that kind of, uh, relationship and that kind of support. And such, such the truth, isn't it? You know, Chris's kids are younger, mine are 16 and 13, but we're, I'm starting to feel that, you know, they're, they're, they're becoming more independent. They're, mm-hmm. they're pulling away a little bit more. They're doing some of those things and they're doing some things that, you know, that their, their mother and I question sometimes, you know, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that I enjoy more than hanging out on Friday nights, watching old Prince videos, 1980s videos on YouTube and eating cheese, you know, frozen pizza and having a couple of beers and just hanging out like it that's what it's all about right like everything else is just stuff just noise you know so thanks for thanks for pointing that out it is really really huge family is is what it's all about Uh, chris how about you what's your what's your takeaway this week what's your what are you doing for you um i don't know if it's necessarily like self-care something i'm doing for myself but something i'm just trying to do overall that's improving I think relationships and just the way I respond to people is, is just trying to practice more empathy. And I mean, I'm a therapist, so that's, that's part of my (laughs) part of the gig. Right. But just, we hope hope it's part of the gig anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't have empathy then what the hell am I doing? But uh, no, but just like um, in my personal life, like just trying to have a better understanding of like maybe what is behind a certain action or, or why a person said something or did something. I think this can be kind of valuable for all of us, you know, cause sometimes I think we, we look at what somebody did and maybe somebody did something to, to piss us off. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we should sit there and make excuses for people or just like brush things off that aren't okay. Like there, there is a line, right. But I do think in a lot of situations, if we just take a step back, take a moment to think about maybe where that person is coming from or or what might be going on with that person. You know, sometimes we don't even know or maybe they say something to us and we take it personally and mm-hmm. it, it's really more what's going on with them. Right. Um You know, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they, you know, they're having problems at home. So just like. Being a, I, I think the world could be a lot better place if we were to practice more of that, to practice more empathy and just understanding, you know, and and 
stop getting pissed off at each other and try to tap into a little bit more compassion for each other. Now, I know that sounds maybe a little bit Pollyannish, but, you know, I, I do think there is something to that, to just trying to put yourself in someone's shoes and trying to understand, like, what's going on, where they're coming from, uh, you know, I think uh, could just lead to, to better things for all of us. Mm-hmm. That's great. Really, hey Chris, really can well I can I elaborate on something that you kind of spurred with me in terms of of empathizing with people? Um, to be that person, um, one of the things that you can do is instead of just saying to somebody, "Hey, I'm here if you need me, if you need to talk," to offer them something. Hey, um, I'm going to. I, I saw somebody uh, talk about this. I'm going to send you some groceries. Are you going to be home at this particular time? Mm-hmm. Because when when people are when people are are down or or whatever dealing with something, um, it's hard making decisions. You know, if you have a, mm-hmm. have an open ended question for them, they're not going to be able to come up with an answer a lot of times. But if you say a specific thing, can I do this for you? Um, and they could say yes or no, but it's a lot easier for them to say, well, hey. That makes sense. Yes, I would like you to do that. Would you be willing to do that? That would be great. And so um, that's just kind of a thought that uh, that you made me think of what you were when you were talking um, about yeah, empathy. Yeah. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, that's that's a, a great suggestion. Um, you know, just like I, I did that with my uh, my grandmother the other day. She she had a loss, and you know, like I know, especially when like all of the the funerals over the mm-hmm. you know the family goes away like after that then it's like then it really hits right uh mm-hmm. you know and, and then it's like then that person really needs the additional support so like that's when you want to step in and, and help somebody in that situation so uh yeah i love that and and just to build off of that maybe it's tied into it but a little bit of a different direction um Something I, I tell my clients a lot of times that are just like stuck in their own stuff, go do something for somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Like get out of your own, you know, sometimes we just get so stuck in our own head and our own problems. Like it, I, it benefits everybody, right? You're, you're benefiting somebody else when you, when you, you know, are of service to them. You're also, maybe it's a little bit selfish, but you're also helping yourself. You're helping yourself feel good and get out of your own you know, situation. So yeah, a lot of stuff there, but uh, I'm glad uh, <laughs> I think we touched on some good things. Yeah. I don't know how to top what you guys just said. And then those are both <laughs> really great things. But the one thing that I'm trying to do, you know, Chris, you always talk about, you know, living with intention and, and being more intentional with the things that you do. And, um, you know, this past week um, I had my mom had made a decision with the rest of the family that we were going to take my stepdad and put him into a memory care facility. And it has been pending for a while. And, and this was the week that it finally kind of came to fruition. It was a total team effort. You know, my brother and sister were able to get him there. They did a lot of the legwork. And then I spent time with my mom yesterday. Um, I took the day off and, and went over there. And, um, you know, we, we talked about a lot of wide ranging emotions and things of that nature. And yesterday morning when I woke up, I decided, you know, that I, I really want to start journaling a little bit more again. And it doesn't always have to be anything that's like, you know, flowing prose. It doesn't have to be Shakespearean or Dickensian, Dickensian you know, like I can I can just write down a few ideas or different things that are going on. And I wrote down in my journal yesterday, you know, 
be intentional. Mom needs you. This isn't, you know, like you guys were saying, this isn't about me at this point. Like be there for what she needs right now and just kind of help navigate through it. We all have history with our family. Um, you know, we, we all have those things and that's, what's gotta be water under the bridge when you get to a certain point. I just turned 50 about a month ago and, and I'm in that mode now where I'm seeing the the other side of life that I didn't see when I was a younger man. And so I'm trying to learn how to be more intentional. I'm trying to be a better person, which is always a work in progress. And, uh, to really just make sure that I get to keep doing things that I really enjoy doing as well. Um, I work a lot of hours during the week. I tutor on Sundays and um, doing things like this and being able to spend time with you guys on a podcast um, and, and being asked to be part of something like this and being allowed to write on a weekly basis. It's, it's a privilege and it's a gift. And um, I have so many people to thank in fantasy baseball and the things that are going on. But Chris, you know, you've always been rock solid with me and we've all, we've developed a really good friendship. And Steve, I meant what I said earlier, you know, um, whether you know that or not, you've been a mentor and somebody that I've really looked up to. And at age 46, 47, to pick up a pen and, and a, or, or a computer at that point, not a pen anymore, and really start trying to be a writer in the industry, whatever that means, uh, is fascinating. And to be able to be doing this stuff with you guys on a weekly basis is a thrill for me. And so from the bottom of my heart, I thank both you and Steve. Um, it's like, it is like, I was joking about that, but it's like, it's like, you know, me, you know, Chris Farley meeting Paul McCartney on, you know, Saturday Night Live. It's like, this is a guy that I've, I mean, Jack is sitting in the background over listening. You see him in the back there. He's uh, laying on the bed waving. Um, <laughs> they, they wanted to see somebody famous, and so they did tonight. So um, we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, everybody, hope you're having a good week. Um, remember, if you ever need anything, someone to talk to, the DMs are always open. I have the worst Twitter handle of all time at MDRC0508. You can find Torres at Torres Takes. Don't bother Steve. He's got plenty going on. Um, <laughs> Steve, what, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and um, what you might have coming up that would be um, – a big thing for people to, to be reading. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter X, whatever we're, uh, whatever we're calling it now. Uh, gotta be, gotta be precise. Um, at Steve a Gardner and, um, coming up probably the next thing that I'll have for sports weekly will be kind of like a season recap season awards. Um, that should be out in the next week or two. And, um, and then I'm heading to Arizona for first pitch. Um, that's, that's the plan at least. Um, and, always a fantastic week to see the Arizona fall league and, and all the industry professionals out there and, uh, and learn so many new things. Um, it's, it's a great time of year and gosh, we've got the, the MLB playoffs too, to, uh, to get excited about. Yeah. Last year we were able to watch a world series game in the uh, hotel area. Um, it was pretty great. Chris, I would suggest, uh, figuring out a way to get there. It is a, it is a blast and, um, you're rubbing elbows with some of the greats there. It's really fun. Uh, I will leave it at that for the night, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, for my my co-host, Chris Torres, and for our guest, Steve Gardner, this has been the Fantasy Baseball Beat for this week. We'll see you next week when we come back. If you like the podcast, I know you like it better when Torres hosts. It's a, it's way better for everybody. Uh, rate and review, please, if you'd be so kind. And make sure you look at our, our Fantasy Baseball Beat Twitter feed as well. Chris, you want to tell them where they can find that? I remembered it. It's at Fantasy BB. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm becoming too predictable in my old age. Uh, th- thank you all for listening and have a great, great rest of your week. And we will talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you so much.